All right, this morning I'm going to be reading from First uh, Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15. I'm not usually big on titles or anything, but if I were to title this, I would title it The Two Atoms. The Two Atoms. So in 1 Corinthians 15, it's quite a chapter. It's uh, pretty awesome. It's like 58, 58 verses in there. They're worth reading. Uh, but we're going to see the two atoms. Now, I'll just read here in verse 45. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. Notice what it says. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit, a life-giving, a life-imparting spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. There, there's a reason why even when Jesus was talking about eternal life in John the third chapter and he was explaining it, especially in those, uh, for instance, in John uh, 3, 3 through 8, when he was explaining eternal life, he did say in 327 of John, a man can receive, can't receive anything except it come from heaven. And that's true with us today. We, we can't receive anything except it comes from heaven. And then he said in 3.30, he, he said, he, we, he, he, the last Adam, must increase, but I, the first Adam, must decrease. And so that's why it says here, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Verse 48, as is the earthy, such are they that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, the we there is all of us that are in Christ. But prior to you and I receiving Christ, what was, our, what, what was the image? The image was what? It was the first Adam. And that's what the Holy Spirit is teaching through the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 and verse 9, that we have the flesh in us, but we're not of it. And I, I, the Holy Spirit, as he guides me in the Word and guides me in the things that are Christ, he's made it an emphasis almost since I've been back here from Texas, those two little words, in and of. We're in Christ our position is, is that we are in Christ. That is the book of Ephesians, especially the first chapter. Uh, and we are in Christ. The, the whole theme of the book of Ephesians has to do with who is our proper head. It's Christ. And what do you do in the head? It directs the body. And how does he direct us? Through, through the headship that is, that is Christ. And thank God. But again... In 1 Corinthians 15, 49, it says, As we have borne, 
we have born. That's past tense <laughs> as far as God's concerned, right? We have borne the image of the earthy. We will also bear the image of the heavenly. And then he goes on to say, this I say, uh, brethren, all of you that are in Christ, that flesh and blood of the first Adam cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. And really, the words here are mortal. Immortality has nothing to do with mortality. The scriptures bring, bring that out very, very clearly. And so when we talk about the two heads, it's even brought out in Genesis, the third chapter. Because, and we'll, we'll see that. But, there's, but there's, there's great principles. And, and one of the times we want to get into even the word principle. So when, when we have the word and understand the Bible with the, the language that we have now, one of the key words is principle, is principles. And we can have good principles, any of us, or bad principles. We can have what is, what is termed, and I don't think it's correct, because, because when we talk about morality, some have tried to separate morality from spirituality. The scriptures never do that. Furthermore, the word even morals or morality, based upon Noah Webster, who was a polyglot, a, a man gifted in a multitude of languages, has brought it out clearly that morality in the scriptural sense has to do with the action and completion of God through Christ and how it affects us. So that's why even one sense, well, that person, that person has, has bad morals. Well, according to 1828 dictionary, who a man who tore apart a multitude of languages and in the scriptures has made it very clear. It's no such thing as the separation of that. Because that is even bring, being brought out in John the third chapter. Can a man receive anything except to come from heaven? So when Adam fell, when Adam fell from his innocence, was there anything morally good in him? And if we understand what morals are, because, because then... Some have taught that you separate. There's a separation between spirituality and morality. Well, it just doesn't, it makes no scriptural sense whatsoever. It just, does, it just doesn't because it's the first Adam trying to describe things about the second Adam without him. If you, you can look it up, look it up in 1828 dictionary. And furthermore, if you have the imperial uh, dictionary, which, which followed it in the 1860s, because Noah's was around the, th the latter 30s to the 40s when he, he did that incredible work. By the way, I, I think as far as a dictionary is concerned, it's the 1828 dictionary for the English language for us to understand things is incredible. But again, the two atoms, there's, there's, there's principles there's principles that will bring out this type of revelation. And we know who's the revealer, who's the only revealer of things. Right? It's only God the Holy Spirit in John 16, verses 13 and 14. It is only God the Holy Spirit who takes the things of Christ 
and shows them unto us. He will do that in terms of the order of, of the church that, you know, church government that we're in, but he'll do it only as that vessel submitted to Christ. Because otherwise, what head do we function in? <laughs> what are we growing in all of us? Okay? And we learn, don't we? We learn um, in that sense. This is the first head. <laughs> this is the first Adam. But there's certain things, principles, that mark this very truth here, this very truth in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And we can also see it in James, the third chapter, especially when you get to, when you get to 13, 14, 15, and 16 in those verses there. You could see it. But for us that are in Christ, here's, here's the issue. Here is the sole issue. And again, this is, this is brought out and God has to teach us all, and he's teaching us all. Truthfully, for the believer, that Christ is our only object. And when Christ is not our object, okay, we become very subjective. That means we fall under the influence of the first Adam. How does that happen in the believer? It happens in Romans 8, verse 9. This is where these, these words in and of are just amazing because we still do have the flesh in us. There's a lot of teaching going around. It's called one-naturism. Again, the, some of the names that, that teach things properly but don't teach that correctly according to the scriptures. For instance, the, when you got born, when you received Christ, you no longer had a fleshly nature. There's nothing about it. It's just temptations from the atmosphere. And, uh, but Romans, the seventh chapter, will do away with that in an instant without any question about it. And even the fact of what, we're, what is being, God is, is bringing us through the scriptures this morning, the two Adams. There's no question about that. And because to do away with that, and this is where a lot of this teaching comes in, bad teaching, to do away with the first Adam. When, see, if I understand it, when Adam fell, did God take away free will? No. Did he take away the free will of Cain? No. This is why it makes it so necessary for us, for all of us, the submission of our will to him and a, and a continual growing in grace and knowledge. See, we only grow according to grace and knowledge. But that's what makes the, the will so necessary for us to submit. Did he take away the will of Cain? No, he didn't take away his, his will. He just submitted his will. He refused a proper will for him to submit to. That's why, you know, over the years, we, you know, you've heard, you know, the word, when we bring the word at times, we have a free will. doesn't mean we're always free with it. We have a free will. And the reason we have this free will is because God, he, when he does something, how often does he do it? Ecclesiastes 3 verse 14 says he does it forever. We were created in his image. Okay, we were created. So when Adam fell, he never took away his will, ability to make choices. He doesn't violate the will. He can engineer circumstances and situations. For instance, in Gen you know, everything that Jacob went through, I mean Joseph, Everything that he went through, and did he, he, he had his faults too, but everything that happened to him wasn't, didn't have to do with his will. 
It had to do with the will of others that were operating first and foremost against God, and it came out on him. <laughs> and he never took away, he didn't take away free will, because if he did, he took away the, the ability to make freedom of choice. And God never violates free will. He doesn't. And, and that's why even in Jeremiah 2 and verse 19, when we refuse truth, he allows even the backsliding to correct us. And when that doesn't work, he lovingly, 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 graciously chastises us. But again, never took away the free will. I'm going to do it completely away. Look, our people, and seriously, even evil people, we see it politically in our country, but of course we know it's a spiritual issue. Are they operating with a free will? Are they free to make bad choices and do evil things? They are, and they're doing it, see? And that's what makes it important for the Christian, because when you and I, even those that are in Christ, when we don't have Christ as an object, who do we submit our will to? And to think, to think that we are master, we are master of ourselves in anything. Okay? It's just not the truth. Because Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 24, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot be under two heads at the same time. The Bible makes it clear. I watched this this morning. We're going to be very brief. Here's what I, I want to read also in conjunction with the two heads. This is 1 John, the first chapter. Here, here we have this. That which, verse 1 in, John, in, in 1 John, that which was from the beginning. When, you, when we understand this, the beginning, okay, that is going back to the operation of eternity in time. That's what this is saying, okay? That which was from the beginning which we have heard, okay? If it wasn't, if it didn't have an eternal beginning in God, they never would have heard it. Because the only way that God has ever spoken to man correctly is through his son, who was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth in Revelation 13, 8, who finished it even before the earth was formed. All the works, he did it all. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3, of course he didn't take away his will, because with that will, he would receive unconditional love and then no longer be conditioned by his own will. So that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, you know the we there, you know what it's talking about there? Is, it, is the we every, is the we the saved and the unsaved? No. It's only those in Christ. Listen, that which we that which was from the beginning, which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which, which we have looked upon and our hand, hands have handled of what? The word of life. You know, originally it says the word of life man. Who is that? That's Christ. Now to be an apostle, which of course, and when, we, when they enumerate the gifts in Ephesians the fourth chapter in the 11th verse, it says there were some apostles. To be an apostle, you had to have face-to-face -face contact with Christ. You had to have that. That's what you had to have. Now, there were earthly ones, the 11, and then one that replaced Judas, right? But the heavenly, but who was the heavenly apostle? That was the apostle Paul. This is where we get all our truth and our position. 
This is our proper headship. He had to come from heaven. He's the heavenly Christ. Okay? The only earthly people, the only earthly people that will be gods on the earth and that have ever been will be the Jews in the millennial kingdom. Period. Period. He's never had his kingdom on this earth. Never had it. And won't till Christ comes back. That's why it's utter nonsense to think that my communi- community church will affect the world. No, it's not going to affect. The world's not going to change. As a matter of fact, it's not going to get worse according to the scriptures. You can change people's lives. But the whole purpose of us now as the church under the headship of Christ is those gifts. There's no more apostles. No, no man ever after Paul, has ever seen, no matter what some people say, has ever seen Christ, God, face to face. And as a matter of fact, there's only one who ever did see him and come back. And he didn't, he wasn't even sure. And that was the Apostle Paul. That was him. And so what it says here in First John chapter 1, and now we're talking about proper headship still. We need to think about that. What is proper headship? Okay. Which head are we functioning under? Can I, have I, have I ever functioned under the wrong head? Yep. And believe me, in this principle, two heads are not better than one. Trust me. It's not. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, our hands have... And, and our, we have looked upon, gazed upon. It's, it's amazing when we understand these in the original. They, they gazed upon him. Yes, he, he was human. And by the way, I want to make this clear through the scriptures. Jesus Christ's humanity was impeccable. It was not liable to sin. It's crystal clear in the scriptures. And the reason I, we say these things is because there's so much other teaching. This precious men of God that I've known and I fellowshiped with for 30 and 40 years, literally. And we'll teach that Jesus was tempted just like you and I to sin. When it says in Luke 1, verse 35, that holy thing, and I don't like it where in the King James the way it says it, is that holy one which was born of that virgin eh, is the son of the highest. His humanity. Because if I understand the types, could there be a blot or a blemish on that perfect sacrifice? Read Exodus, read Leviticus. It had to be a spotless, there was no, he had no sin nature. Never did. Never ever did. But there's some that think that. See, I can overcome because Jesus showed me the way. He submitted to the Holy Spirit. What? So he wouldn't sin? Well, he could never sin. As a matter of fact, in his 40 days of temptation in Matthew the fourth chapter and Luke the fourth chapter, who was the one that was on trial? Jesus or Satan? <laughs> who was proven to be? All, all, all evil ever did with Christ is bring out his love, his grace, his incredible beauty. They, listen, he was the perfect man. Perfect perfect. He had to learn things, but he had to learn it in his humanity in submission because he was a creation of God. 
Remember, it was the Holy Spirit that bypassed the sin nature in the 14-year-old peasant girl named Mary. Had to bypass it so that you and I could have a proper head. So that you and I, yes, with a fallen will, but still free to make bad choices. We can still do it today. And he so wants to guard us to guard our heart. Because in Proverbs 4, verse 23, this verse has been in my... God bringing this verse to my mind. Keep your heart with all diligence. God, it's really, the Hebrew is guard sacredly your mind. Because the word heart there is not the ticker. It is lab, L-E-B, the mind. Guard your mind with all diligence. And diligence means you have the word, quickly obey it. Because when you do, you're guarding it. You're allowing God, through your submitted will, to guard you. And to continue to be your head. So that you don't hunt the function in a whole head in Isaiah 1, 5, and 6 that's sick. In Jeremiah 30, verse 12, the wound is incurable. God couldn't cure Adam, so what did he do? He crucified him. Could he cure us about anything about the old? Could he change anything about the old? The old behavior? The old way we think? No, he crucified it, thank God. Thank Jesus. Still have to learn that one, and we are, by his grace. So there's no more apostles. And even when it says it in Ephesians 4, uh, 4.11, and no more prophets, when it says prophets, we have to understand, it's not talking about Old Testament prophets. Because there's things in the epistles, and we call them the epistles of Paul. Well, he got all those from the heavenly Christ. Those are the epistles of Christ. <laughs> okay? Just like when it says it, it, the uh, book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. No, it's not. It's God, to the power of the Holy Spirit, with Christ in them, acting through them. <laughs> it should be the acts of the Holy Spirit through these men that they're just vessels that he used. And they, should, and they could never, ever exclude him in any way. And so there's no more prophets. What are we left with? Evangelists and pastor teachers. It's interesting, the order of that. Evangelists and pastor teachers. You know, even evangelists, they have to have a local assembly to function properly in God's order. This is due. It's God's order. And that's where we get into trouble with the two heads. We have a problem with his order. Here it is. So in, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, now 2. For the life, right? The life was manifested. The life was manifested. What? The life. The life. The is whole, right? The life. It's the eternal life was manifested through the humanity of Jesus Christ. That's what they're saying. They, they could have had no contact with him. Because remember, in John 3, verse 27, can a man receive anything except it come from heaven? Can't. It can't do it. We, we couldn't. So he had to come, but he had to, put on, he had to put on this humanity. So it says, for the life was manifested. What life? Zoe life. Where? In his humanity. And we have seen, we've seen it, and bear witness. Do we see it? Can we bear witness? Oh, he makes it so clear to us, doesn't he? In his only way that God can do. And that's why it's only God, the Holy Spirit, who can take the things of Christ and show you and I that we're functioning in the first head without condemning us, without condemning us, but with strong conviction. So that in 1 Corinthians 11, 
31 and 32, we won't be condemned with the world. When he shows us the difference between the first head and the second head, and what's the difference? We live by his choices. We live by his will. We know, we know, as Jesus said in John 15, 1 through 5, we can't do a single thing without him, apart from him. Can I do a single thing apart from him if my will is not submitted to him? Can I? Even think properly, act properly, do any, I don't care what it is for any of us. None of us can. So, and so it's only the Holy Spirit who can take the things of Christ and say, this is not who you are. <laughs> and that's what Jesus was saying, right? What was he, what was he saying to Peter? Peter, and, and we can do this in a heartbeat. We can make these godly confessions. They say, uh, Jesus asked them a question in, in Matthew, the 16th chapter, 13th and 14th verses. He said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're, you're like, I don't know, you're like John the Baptist, you're Elijah, I don't know. That's what they say. And then you know what he asked them? He asked them this question. And this is what he asked us this morning. Who do you say I am? Personal. Who do you say I am? And then Peter made this declaration. You are the Christ, the Son. You are the Messiah, the, the Anointed One, the Christ the very Son of God. And then immediately Jesus said unto him, and really the original makes it this way, you know, in, in translations it's flesh and blood, like in Ephesians 6, 12, and even there, but it's blood and flesh, because the old sin nature is passed on through the blood. You wouldn't even have flesh or body. <laughs> That's brought out in, in the scriptures, especially in, in Romans, the fifth chapter and the 12th verse and, and down through there. But the thing is, that's what he was, he was teaching very, very, very clearly. He said, blood and flesh has not revealed this unto you. you. You could never come up with this in your own thinking. You can't. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the natural man, re what? Receives not the things of God. Why? Because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. You know what that, that speaks again. It's so necessary for us to submit our will. Because I'm, honestly, because if my will's not submitted to him, listen, I don't have proper fellowship. That's a fact. Our fellowship has to do with Christ, his person, and the work that he's accomplished. And the Bible makes it crystal clear that this is what fellowship is. Period. If Christ is being exalted, if he is, and you, and, and you know what I found out? You, you can do that. You can be so occupied with him. You can. And even like, for instance, when it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Now, if I don't understand what that means, yeah, okay, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. God, so I'm supposed to pray all day? What would I get done? You know, because what is prayer always teaching us? Dependence. Dependence. That's what it's teaching all the time. I need to depend on him. So the two heads, and we're going to wrap this up. First John chapter 1. And that's why, again, I want to just finish that in Matthew the 16th chapter. He said, flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. And then Jesus went on and said, said and upon this rock, and unfortunately, this is where, this is where certain 
you want to call it a denomination. There's no such thing as denominations in the Word of God. That's crystal clear based upon 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 12 and 13, especially 13. Christ is not divided. Here's some for you guys. Here's some for you, and here's some for you, and some for you. No, no, there's one body, and there's one mind. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it's the mind of Christ. And when I have that, when I submit my will to it, then I have it. Now I'm in fellowship with him. And fellowship starts with, with the individual. That's how it starts, with each of us. So he said, upon this rock, this massive ledge is the Greek word, this massive ledge, I will build what? My what? Church. And the gates of hell, all the forces and powers of hell that come against us, they just won't prevail. And then, of course, when Jesus taught, he was teaching how he had to go to the cross and be crucified, Peter interrupted him and said, no, 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 you're not going to do that. No, you're not going to do that. And you know what Jesus said to Matthew 16, 23, right? He looked right at Peter. He looked right at him. And what was he teaching him there like he teaches us? What was he teaching him? He looked right at Peter and said, get behind me who? Yeah. Because who functions, who, who's the first head? His whole mindset, and who does he function under? Yeah, yeah. And we have that in us, in Romans 8, 9, the flesh. It's in us, but we're not of it. As far as God's concerned, it's crucified. That's his, uh, that is his reality. What brings in the reality in my experience of my position in Christ? What does that? It's my faith obedience, because faith always teaches obedience. That's just what prayer does. So he looked at Peter, and that's what he said to him. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to who? Men. Saved and unsaved. Men. Look at the Greek word. Anthropos. It's literally, that's what it says. Every man you're an offense to. An offense to. And it says to God. Interesting. Look. For the life was manifested, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 2, and we've seen it in here, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. How do we show that? Can God show it to me, who I am in Christ, if my will's not submitted to him? If my will isn't submitted to him, and can it, can it be even in areas of ignorance? Yes. Most of our problems, unfortunately, come from rebellion. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I found that out about me, really. And I'm still finding it and learning without condemnation and accusation in Romans 8, 1, because there isn't any for us. And uh, which, okay, <clears throat> the eternal life, which was, <clears throat> really was there. If we understand the scriptures, we have to trust God for so much. I got to tell you. <laughs> the whole time that Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth, he was very God and very man, yet he never left the bosom of the Father. <laughs> okay, that's what you said, Lord? Yep, okay. God can't separate himself from who he is. <laughs> he never did. But yet he's manifesting himself through his Son. He does it that way today. Who's the Word? And so it says, which was with the Father and manifested unto us. What was judged on Calvary? It was he was the sin sacrifice. Again, 
in certain translations, like in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he, that's God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ the Son, to be sin for us. That's what it says. Jesus Christ never became sin. He became the sin sacrifice. He could never become sin, but he had to be the pure lamb of God for that sin to be dealt with. Okay, and those things are really beautiful and brought out scripturally. So, which was with the Father and was what? Manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto us. Now, if I haven't heard that, if I haven't submitted my will to God, if I don't understand the difference between the world and who I am in Christ, where does that leave me? It leaves me without true fellowship with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit with a will that's constantly submitted to him. Because listen, everything about Christ and in who we are is completely and the exact opposite of everything that's going on in the world right now. Did you know that? It's very clear. Very clear. And that's why even music, when we talk about music, I'm going to tell you, so many times we've heard, and I've heard this in the past, oh, it's just the lyrics. No, scientifically proven. Okay? It's the beats that affect you. And they, and they will exalt either Christ or the flesh. It's that simple. And whether we believe that or not, okay, that can be a pretty, pretty crazy thing. But this is what it says. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Look what it says. That you also may have fellowship with us. What does fellowship have to do with? You tell me what this is saying. Christ and him only has got nothing to do with the world, how the world thinks, what they act like. It doesn't have a thing to do with it. It just doesn't. You know, it's literally, well, you say, how should I function? I don't know. How did Jesus function? Well, he's our life, is he? Are we growing, though, in 2 Peter 3, verse 18? Yes, we are. We're growing in grace. But who does he give grace to in James 4, 6? Who does he give the grace to? The adjustment from the will of the first head to the second one. Who does he give it? He gives it to who? Those that he humbles. What is everything about this world system that's teaching us? There's no good in it. No, no good. Listen, even if I fo follow the scriptures, don't listen to me, read the Bible. James, uh, uh, Genesis, the fourth chapter. The whole world system began through Cain under the influence of the enemy. Follow it all the way through. Where did polygamy come from? Read it in Genesis, the fourth chapter. Where did certain music come from? Read it in the fourth chapter. It's just crystal clear. The only fellowship we have is Christ. We don't have fellowship in the first head. We just don't. But who, do we have the mind of Christ? Positionally in 1 Corinthians 2.16. Yes. But why does it say in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you? Because that's experience. And for me to experience what's mine in my position in Christ, there has to be submission of the will. God won't violate it, but he can, we all know this, don't we? He can engineer certain circumstances and situations because what's the place that he's always bringing us to when we don't function in Christ? It's that place in the first head that's called helplessness and hopelessness in the self-life in the flesh. It just is. That which we have seen and heard 
declare we unto you. Now, if I haven't heard it or seen it or experienced it, can I declare it to you? We're all growing. That you may also have fellowship with us. Look what it says. Here's one, three. And truly our fellowship is with the Father. Look, did Jesus have anything to do with the world? Do you think he knew what the world would be? And finally, the world is going to come to an end in 1 John 2, verse 17. Did you know that? It's hastening on, the world system. Not the earth. Some make the difference. You know, like the earth is going to disappear. It never says that at all. According to Ecclesiastes 1, 4, it doesn't say that. World without end. Isaiah 45, 17 and Ephesians 3, 21. The physical earth will change just like it did with the flood. He promised it would never be with the flood again in Genesis 9, 13, and 14. Yeah, but he's going <laughs> to baptize the earth with fire. According to 2 Peter 3, 12, 13, 14, and down through, he's going he's to renovate the earth and prepare it for the eternal ages of the ages. No question about it. Nothing about us has anything to do with the world. It just doesn't. Because look what he said. is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that you're what? Where is my joy fulfilled? In my first head or my second head? <laughs> Again, all that we function as, we will function just like the animal kingdom. God created them a dichotomous being. He created man to have fellowship. That's why he had a spirit a trichotomous, made in the image of God in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, in Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He made it crystal clear, very crystal clear. For you to fellowship, to function, to function properly and be more than just a living soul. In other words, everything about me, and you can read Matthew, the sixth chapter, okay, a Christian can live just like the world. How do they live? Their whole life is details, circumstances and situations. Their circumstances and situations become their guide, not Christ in the midst of them. Because why? Because any of us, we would lack fellowship. Now, have any of us arrived here like we should be? No, but that should be the reason the truth should not be taught. God, is he against Even when I sin, and fail. He constantly, he will lovingly chastise me, but it's loving chastisement. He's not making me pay for my sin. He's getting me back to a place where he can love me and fellowship with a submitted will. And there will be godly sorrow with that, but it's never with regret in 2 Corinthians 7.10. The only regret we have is when we refuse, listen, non-obedience. Known obedience. There's nothing about us. And we need, you know, for the longest time, I, when we first came here, I said, God, I need, I need men in my life. We need each other to be accountable and to be responsible in Christ in each vessel with the gift that he gave to each individual that I don't have. And that's how the body functions in the first head. Again, Again, uh, Proverbs 4, verse 23. Guard your mind with all diligence because out of it are going to come the issues of life. You're going to make an issue somehow. Think of the issues we make when we forget him. 
How easy is it for us to forget? Thank God he never forgets us. <laughs> How easy is that? Is it for us to forget God? To forget why are we here? He's, he, we're here in Romans 8, 28. To what? Conform us to the image of his son. Is anything about the world like him? No, they hated him. Even the religion. Did Cain have his religion? He had his religion. He was a religious guy. He had his worship. Just wasn't the right way. I just did. And all we're talking about is fellowship. That's what we're talking about. True fellowship is that that we have in Christ. It didn't have a thing to do with that first head. That's the flesh that's in us. And boy, you know what happens when, I know what happens when that guy rears his egg ugly head. I, can, I have a choice to make. And, and, and the thing about it is, is it, we've said this, and God has to constantly teach me this, and he does. My struggles don't necessarily have to do with what I don't know and I'm ignorant of. It's the areas that I know to do and I don't do it. That's the problem. <laughs> That's where we struggle. Let me ask you, do we ever struggle in who we are in Christ? When we get in his presence, come on, and when as Christians should we not be in his presence? You tell me. What right do we have to function outside of his presence? You tell me. I mean, and do I have to learn this? Do we all have to learn this? Yes. Yes. But we're here for one reason, folks. And me. Matter of fact, there's no guilt in who I am in Christ when I function in my first head, submit my will. So that life that he is, that he's made to be mine in my own individuality, when that flows, oh, I have such peace. I do have true peace and true joy. And you know what? We know what I found out, and I've tried it for a long time. The lust, the prince and power of the air, who uses the world system to actuate the lust in us, because he hates who we are in Christ, because that so-and-so knows that it's insatiable. It will never satisfy us. Nothing but pure fellowship in Christ that we have in an exchange. Come on. Individually, don't we do our best when we're in his presence? But when we get together, then what? Wow. Boy, do we need it, huh? We need each other. We, we need, and you know, and exhorting one another, really. That's just edifying and telling us, hey, you know, I love you. I love you, and I'm praying. That's what's necessary, isn't it? A prayer and forgiveness reconciliation and, and uh, what kind of a relationship we, we talked this on a few days ago what, what type of relationship would we ever even have if we didn't have in Christ forgiveness in marriage because yeah? we said well you know don't you ever talk to my wife like that yeah but I can well why would I talk to her differently because well, I don't have the right head I'm under the wrong head None of us are in control of ourselves. And the lust patterns are insatiable. Thank God. And we're still going to learn this until the day we go to see him face to face. When all the disturbances and, and interruptions are gone in a moment, and in the twinkling of an eye, 11 to 14 one hundredths of a second will be changed.
absent from this body, present with the Lord. But we can have right now his presence. And we do our best in it, don't we? And, and others do, do their best when I bring that into the equation. Amen? And we have fellowship because it has to do with Christ. So, Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for this, this day where it's still sunny. And, uh, oh, God, thank you so much. Even when it's cloudy, your sun still shines. You're still the same. The rainy days, the sunny days, the stormy days, the days when the atmosphere comes against who we are in Christ, not even necessarily, not because of what we do or what we don't do, just because we have Christ in us, we're so he so hates us. Bless your people today, those that are yours, all of us here, our wives, our loved ones, family. Bless us, give us a great day. No matter what we're doing, may it be in just incredible fellowship and an attitude of prayer, which is just really prayer. It's always teaching us dependency. We can't do a single thing. And thank you that we can do this together in a way the enemy does not want it. But greater is he that's in us. Oh, we need to submit to him than he that's in the world. And First John 4, 4, and this is the victory. We already have it. That's overcome the whole world, even our faith in 1 John 5, verse 4, and even our faith, our absolute dependence upon Christ. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.